0: To EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. In this series of podcasts, I'll be talking to educational professionals across the Manchester College, whose delivery through the use of EdTech tools support the development of our students, as well as those I'll be talking to externals who are keen in providing EdTech to support our students, and externals who are passionate about using EdTech in their delivery. So. Why do a podcaster here, hear you ask? Well, I've been an educator for eight years in various roles. I began my journey as a curriculum teacher within hairdressing. I then moved over to a functional skills English teacher um, where I became ILT champion as they were called back in the day and then I moved to an English and maths leader and the benefit of using technologies in my teaching practice throughout all those stages is undeniable. Moreover, I believe that others are also working in isolation to enhance and enable the learning of our students. As such, I hope that this platform will allow willing teachers, leaders, support staff, well, anyone involved in the journey of our students to share what they're doing with others across the Manchester College, Greater Manchester and beyond. So, consider this, can we use EdTech to benefit all learners? I mean, my aim is not to eradicate conventional teaching tools, but to invest more into the potential of EdTech. EdTech should be part of teaching, learning and assessment, and students should be gaining more practical IT skills to support them in their future. Our future, the country's future. The use of EdTech can make lessons more interesting, I think. It, It can make them more realistic, contextualized, inclusive, adaptable. I mean, I think it could make them easier in the long run for educators and, importantly, for our students. So, in my personal opinion, the emergency implementation of EdTech tools in delivering online sessions after COVID-19 should be maximised. Let's not go back, let's capitalise on this momentum and try out any of the tools that have been shared by practitioners on this podcast, And if you, as a listener, are doing something that you would like to share, do get in touch. My Twitter handle is at Boy. I welcome you reaching out. In the 7th edition my friend and old work colleague joins me to talk about a number of edtech tools that she has used when teaching students and facilitating training sessions. The delivery of maths sessions in an engaging way can be challenging particularly for students who are enrolled onto a resit course so Leona gives us an insight into what she has used in the past Present and aims to continue using into the future. Desmos is a platform that Leona speaks in depth about. If you put Desmos.com into your internet search engine that's D for Delta, E for Echo, S for Sierra, M for Mother, O for Oscar, S for Sierra.com you will find the beautiful free graphing web application that Leona is very fond of. Alternatively you can find the link to Desmos on our GMC HQ site under the maths project section along with other applications that have been mentioned on this podcast platform. An important point that Leona reiterates is the need to consider the pedagogy over the EdTech tool. The idea of using EdTech tools should not be shoehorned into your sessions, but rather to help your students to reach the outcome or objective that you, their teacher, has set for them. So are you a maths educator? Take 30 minutes out or Multitask whilst listening to Leona and I discussing many, many EdTech tools. Here we go. EdTech with Stage. Hi all, I'd like to welcome an old workmate of mine and a solid friend, Leona. Welcome, Leona. It's so great to have you on. Tell you what, introduce yourself to our listeners.
1: Thank you for having me. Um, I am Leona. I was a maths teacher for many years, both in schools and colleges in the past. And I also was an ILT champion which I supported maths teachers throughout Functional Skills and GCSE Maths and English team. I then had some experience in apprenticeship as well, delivering in technology side of things. And I also deliver some professional development course for maths teachers.
0: Wow! Thank you. Gosh, you've been busy. So yeah, now Leona and I were both ILT champions back in the day. As you mentioned, Leona, you were focusing on maths, and I was new to the um, the 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 role really of ILT champion, and I was focusing on the English. And we did used to work quite closely then. Let's talk about the edtech tools that you might be using today. Are there any that you care to share with your listeners that might support or
1: enhance the delivery of maths? There's quite a few out there. The one that I would say I use the most is a platform called Desmos in terms of just teaching and also monitoring students progress and to get response that I would like to you know, get straight away whilst I'm teaching. I also use that for professional development courses when I delivering those courses live with teachers. And I find them very useful in terms of both getting feedback from the teachers that I was delivering the courses to and to have that anonymized as well. And then I can also give individual feedback to them
0: Oh, and that's all on the platform of Desmos? Yeah. OK, I don't think I've ever actually heard of Desmos. So that's something I'm going to have to look into a little bit more. So it's more about um, delivering, you've said, monitoring progress, um, getting, giving feedback and getting feedback from students. What um, I can't really picture the platform. How tell tell me a little bit more about
1: Desmos, please, Leona. So there are two parts to the Desmos platform. One is the graphing calculator, which you just go and demonstrate anything. For example, if you want to demonstrate some graphs and how you're going to um, alter different values of an equation or of a function that affect the look of the graph. So that's one main feature that they started having when Desmos first appeared to the world. The second thing that I use the most, which I was referring to about progress and life teaching, that that sort of that sort of functions that I use are called Desmos Classroom. So there are two different sides is one for teachers and then one for students. In the teacher side, you can either use the activities that they have already made, whether you want to pick one activities from their GCC collection or from uh, Key Stage 3 collection or any other activities they have on the Desmos Classroom website, and then just give out the code to your group of students, and then they sign in, and then you can do that live or do that as an independent learning and come back to it as and when you wanted using the teacher platform to check the work that they've done and then of course there's a student side where they sign in put the code that you give them and then they can do the work on there okay and i i'm I'm just wondering because that sounds really fantastic for teachers
0: um because you've got the resources there ready to go or they could create their own content yeah absolutely OK, so in terms of students,
1: have you had any feedback from students who've used the Desmos platform? Yeah, so a number of things that they really like about the Desmos classroom. One is about different sort of activities they can play in terms of, i give you an example, one that I use the most is the card sorting activity. So you can either create your own, have a set of cards and then they can do the matching to see if they've got it correct or not. The thing is with Desmos Classroom you can either use what they call a computation layer to set whether you want to tell the students if the work has been marked correctly or their work is incorrect that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The main use of the Desmos Classroom is to not show that to the students but teachers actually showing what they've done and discuss it. So I can look at my group of students' responses. I can take out some responses and present it back to the class live and go through what they've done. And that can be anonymized. So no students being picked on, as in this is that person's work and that's that person's work. But you talk in terms of this is someone's work without embarrassing them. Mm-hmm. And you can also pause the activity as well if you want to get the attention if you were to do it live. You can select within an activity. I only want them to look at page two to three, for example, so I can paste the activity to those two pages. They can work through it and then release the rest of the pages if you like. So you have full control of how you want the students to to do certain activities yeah, I like the sound of that, and it sounds like actually you can elicit a
0: really good in, uh, discussion. So you can understand the the process, the thought processes of your students, and help them to maybe un- un- unpick those um uh, oh, common common mistakes that students might have. Um. Okay, so Desmos is something that you would definitely advocate. What about um? before the pandemic is that were you using that before the pandemic or
1: did you find that when once we all went into lockdown Leona? So I used the Desmos graphing tool more before the pandemic mm-hmm. because Desmos classroom is still relatively new at that point and then throughout the pandemic they have put in so much work in terms of improving the platform itself. Now you can have features like having a whole class rather than just send out code every time you have a new activity giving out to the students and they still continue adding more features like what I was talking about before, the computational layer. That is definitely very new and I'm still learning on a daily basis. That's
0: exciting, that is exciting.
1: Um, Okay, so What
0: did you sort of use post-pandemic? Because you've mentioned Desmos, you've used it pre and post. Was there anything else that you brought into the mix by any chance?
1: So I'm sure many teachers may have heard of Dutta Frost Maths. That is new to me because that's only came out during the pandemic. And again, they are also similar to Desmos, adding new features. They also have some Desmos tool within the Data Frost Maps, which make oh. it quite easy sometimes for me to navigate on the graphing tool because they are using part of the Desmos uh-huh. in, inside the their website if that makes sense yeah yeah it does so that
0: this they sort of like work in, in sync they they couple together quite well i mean i i, fu- I think i fully understand the Desmos classroom and it, it means that i just need to go away and have a look at it but tell me a little bit more about the graphing calculator side because i'm 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 envisioning like a a giant electronic whiteboard is is that right or is it a little bit more in depth tell me a bit more about that side please
1: So on a graphing calculator, you can do really simple things such as drawing a graph. So if you want to demonstrate to students what is the graph 2x plus 1 look like, for example, all you need to do is type y equals 2x plus 1. So it's a really quick tool where students can just type whatever they're not too sure about and then it will show them on the graph. So you are able to visualize things quite easily easily and of course I just gave an example really simple y equals 2x plus 1 my question to some students would be the next thing is what is y equals 2x plus 3 for example or y equals 2x plus 4 what happens to that last number if it changes so what I can do on Desmos is to use something called a slider so I can set y equals to x plus a for example and then adjust the value of a and then Desmos graphing calculator will show you how it's going to look like if i'm going to adjust the letter a of course i'm talking about Desmos having a vision that i'm using it on a computer it is also available as a mobile app so Mm. for students if they just want to have a quick check on the on the mobile phone they can do that Okay so I'm just
0: going to take you back a little bit because we've mentioned a little bit about pre and post-pandemic. Pre-pandemic did you use Deskmos in a classroom environment or was it always a virtual situation?
1: Um, Mix. I would say mix mix. because obviously I do teach uh, professional development courses and the majority of those are online so I do need to do demonstrations on online life but also when I was teaching students I do have to show it on on the board and get their mobile phones out and do it on the mobile phone Right. And that's what I was leading to
0: really because I wanted people to understand um, whether it could be used um, remotely or whether it could be used face to face, but it's it's
1: it's beneficial in both both settings by the sound of things. Yeah, definitely. And I think because nowadays students are sort of expecting to well, we kind of think that students nowadays will have a mobile phone. Obviously, that's not really the case for all the students. No. But to ha- make it available on the mobile phone, it's just another add additional way of getting the students involved in creating the maths themselves rather than the teachers demoing it. Because if, if I'm the only person being a teacher to do all these dem- demo on the on on either the computer or just do it in lesson. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's engaging enough. Getting mm. the students actively involved in building those graphs themselves probably make the maths more fascinating than just having a teacher out front and talk through what you can see on a on a on a computer or on the yeah. screen. Because it's that experiential
0: side, isn't it? They're able to have a go and trial and error. And I, I like the sound of the, um, the slider um, just giving them that little bit more of a, of a complexity and just to check their understanding or the formula that's required to get to that particular um, answer. Um, okay, so
1: are you teaching now, Leona? Are you teaching at present? I am currently doing professional development courses for teachers and sometimes I do enrichment activities for students as well but not on a daily basis. Okay and um,
0: when it comes to your delivery to your students and your teachers, At which which platform are you using? Is there any sort of tips that you could tell us about um because we're we're at the moment recording via teams. Do you use Zoom? Do you use something else? Is there anything that you can tell us in terms of delivery to support any teachers who might still be remote?
1: This is an interesting question because especially during the pandemic, there's so many new tools out there or so many existing tools out there and of course nowadays everyone knows what zoom is and i actually found out about zoom probably at least two three years ago um when i went to the best show they Ah. were promoting zoom and i i was well aware of what zoom was well Mm -hmm. before the pandemic (laughs) although they have put in a lot of new features and i only use zoom now occasionally for for any courses that I do online but very rare mm. I use something called the big blue button and that oh. is um, that is part of it's, it's not quite part of the Moodle package but if you do use Moodle and if you do deliver lessons using Moodle you may have come across the big blue button so that's yeah, I what can. I use for delivering now. Okay,
0: and I'm just thinking, is that something because I've never heard of the big blue button. I'm wondering is that something that needs to be switched on by your institution or you know your your yeah, your institution. Does everyone with a Moodle license um, have that automatically?
1: So this is interesting because it depends on what Moodle you use. There's Moodle. There's Moodle in terms of having your own institution Moodle site. There's also Moodle Cloud. If you use Moodle Cloud, you can activate the big blue button. It comes as a free package, but it's got some restrictions in terms of what Moodle cloud package you're using, therefore you restrict how many students you allow to go on the big blue button and then also the recording, how long it's going to keep the recordings for. If you use the Moodle as the institution Moodle web page, then you will have different sort of settings which I believe The institution itself will have to liaise with the Big Blue Button in terms of what sort of services it will provide and what features you would like to have in the Big Blue Button. Okay.
0: Okay, that does make sense. Um, so I'm wondering. I know you've said that the big blue button links nicely to Moodle, but we know that Moodle can be embed, embedded in Teams, Microsoft Teams, as well. So why did you choose the big blue button over um, Teams or even Skype? I forget about Skype. <laughs> um, you know, why did why did you choose the big blue button? Was that a choice that was made by yourself or not
1: as the case may be so in one of the jobs that I had in the last couple of years especially during the pandemic when we didn't have any online platform or any tools that we were able to deliver anything online I then went on to using Moodle Cloud and then move on to using the big blue button and try it out and see how that's going to work with the students and then pandemic happens so I had about a week to set up everything uh, and then off you go (laughs) so (laughs) with the big blue button one reason was because I was I was used to it I started using Mm -hmm. big blue button about three years ago when I was when i started doing my professional development courses online so i'm um, i'm i'm just used to it so i know how it works i know how to set things up so to me it was relatively straightforward b- purely because i have the experience mm-hmm. secondly when you do the big blue when you use big blue button anything that you do in lesson can be recorded and then it will generate a recording and pull it back onto Moodle without you having to do the legwork amazing that so that amazing. makes makes things a bit easier and then of course the big blue button was created with the minds of doing online lessons so mm. you've got features like having polls you've got mm-hmm. the chat where you have the public chat you can have private chat you can have breakout rooms which zoom introduced that you know Mm-hmm. A few months after a pandemic, I believe. Mm-hmm. And they've got things like raising hands up, you can share your screen, you can upload documents for them to download. So there's lots and lots of features that you can use in the big blue button that fits in what you expect from an online teaching point of view. Do you know what? From what you've just said to me, it sounds like the big blue button were leaders.
0: <laughs> they had all the things that we've been utilizing in Zoom and and Teams before we even knew about the big blue button. By the sounds of things, and um, you mentioned there about your professional development. Now I remember um, when you were doing your ATS. Did you did you focus on any ed tech tools that might support maths teachers by any chance on that course? cast
1: your mind back I did my CML as part of my ATS uh-huh. and though there, there were a number of things that I did rather than focusing on just the maths teaching I also did um, the Google Certified Educator Level 2 course okay. so that that was really useful in terms of just knowing things in general in terms Mm. of using tech in teaching Mm. obviously I mentioned about the big blue button having to set up the whole Moodle cloud with big blue button and convert everything from in class to online the other thing that I did was looking at Geogebra in terms of teaching so I mentioned Desmos graphing tool and before I started using more Desmos graphing tool as well as the Desmos classroom I used GeoGebra a lot and it's still very common nowadays as well as Desmos so they are kind of that both tools are very popular as well as autograph so there's a number of tools that I have used in terms of supporting my teaching but Mm. it really depends on what is it that you are teaching and which tool fits in in that particular part that you want to teach. So there's certain topics I go for Desmos because Desmos is really straightforward. Mm. There's certain things I go for GeoGebra because I was teaching A-level maths. So there's some rather difficult graphs, for example, 3D graphs, I would use Geogebra because I can just get the students. There you are, 3D glasses, put your glasses on, and then off you go. Here's some 3D graphs that we want to talk about today. So I would go for Geogebra. Anything to do with statistics, for example, I would go for Autograph because how you demo the statistics model distribution is really good using Autograph. So it depends on which you want to teach to match with which tool. I mean, you you brought up a number of things there and
0: I thought straight away, you know, you're talking about the pedagogy coming first, which is so important because we've got so many tools to choose from. It's like, which which, which one do I want to trial out today? But no, we need to consider what it is, what's the end, the outcome that we're trying to achieve and then suit the tool that will elicit that. You also mentioned about, algebra and 3D glasses my head nearly exploded I mean you need to slow down there Leona I need to know a little bit more so tell me
1: how does this work what why why are we involving 3D glasses this is amazing tell me more please so I was teaching a level further maths and part of the curriculum was to talk about 3D so you need to be able to write down equations for a 3D either a plane or a straight line, and then you've got a straight line and then another straight line within the 3D environment. And of course, with us, when we draw anything on paper, everything is 2D. So if I was to say, here's a line, here's another line, they're always going to cross. But in reality, they may not cross. So the best way is to somehow demonstrating it using a graphing tool. And in my case, I use GeoGebra and then you can sort of turn it around just imagine you in a you in a cinema trying to watch a 3D film and then you can see things in in 3D and that's sort of how i did it if you if you turn on the 3D glasses mode you can see things in 3D and you can you can switch it into different angles so when i do that they can then see oh actually the two lines look like they cross but in reality they never meet that's just one of the many examples that I sort of did you know in the past and there are other things like if you've got two lines how am i going to find the shortest distance that sort of thing and you can't really imagine these things in your head without mm. having a proper 3d model in front of you and i i sometimes i do think in the past how teachers used to teach these yes. topics because you never be able to draw it on paper and the only way is trying to make it 3D so maybe I can get some props and just show them this is how it looks like that's how it looks like but it may not be true because it's something you can imagine in your head but then now I can visualize it using a graphing tool there you are that's how it looks like and it's perfect and now students can visualize them and of course they can do that on the mobile phones as well how brilliant is that
0: Do you know what, Leona? (laughs) I'm an English teacher. I've never felt so excited about maths.
1: (laughs) That reminded me of my Ofsted um, inspection that I had was exactly about the 3D graphing tools that I was using in that lesson. And that was commented in the feedback. Yeah, I bet. It's it's very innovative,
0: very innovative. So I know that Georgia Broke can do 3D
1: work what else can it do it can do quite a lot of things if you want to link to other subjects for example computing was another one that i wanted to link to then you can you can use some scripting in order to make GeoGebra do more fancy stuff so, for example, clicking on the button and then it shows this, it shows that. So it, it can go really far. And that is also another area that I'm trying to explore. And, of course, going back to Desmos when I was referring to what we call computational layer, it's mm-hmm. pretty much the same thing, but you can do it in GeoGebra. So they all kind of offer similar things. And knowing these additional, you know, stuff like, The computation layer and in GeoGebra terms, they call it CAS, the computer algebra system that also link to other subjects such as computing. And then eventually when they go into the world of work, they will see the link between different subjects, how they can put all their skills together. And I think yeah. that's really useful. And what, what I think when obviously when I was doing my advanced teacher status portfolio, one thing that we're lacking is linking different subjects area together. And I was very passionate to combine maths with computing because there's so much link in the two subjects area. Absolutely. I
0: think this there's there's a there is a need to cross over a lot of the different subject areas because sometimes students really just they're very streamlined, so they'll go into maths and think, "Oh, this will never be transferable to anything." And the same for English. I used to teach bricklayers, you know, and they would always say to me, "What, what? Why do I need to come to English? What's that got to do with bricklaying?" And so, being able to show them the relevance is is key in the classroom, and then they'll go away and and carry that on um, in the big, wild world. So. Um, just thinking about what you were saying in regards to your ATS. So you've told me about um, Gilgebra, you've told me about Desmos, both fantastic tools. I'm going to try and squeeze one more out of you. Is there anything else? Think back to when you used to train the functional skills maths, because I feel like both of these, I don't know, maybe Desmos could be transferable to our lower grade students uh, lower level students don't know you did say there was some key stage three stuff on there so possibly what just have a think for me what could maybe be used to support teachers who are delivering to functional skills students in your in your opinion Leona
1: I would say Desmos probably would be the one that I prefer for functional Mm -hmm. skills especially because i still remember the training i used to do for functional skills teacher the sort of things that they require because the learners are kind of getting into their adulthood but they Mm -hmm. don't really want to go back to how they used to learn in school because they just really scared of thinking well i'm going to fail again because obviously the majority of the students will do would do functional skills or GCSE as their resits, mm-hmm. and they will have so many attempts and making things interesting but not childish. I'm not sure mm. if that's the right word because a lot of the a lot of the resources out there that naming key stage free can be quite less mature, not, not not quite not quite at the right age. Yeah, not not mm-hmm. as mature as you wanted the resource to be.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that, and I I think that's very, very true. Um, What did you did you used to teach functional skills, or did you just support them? Did you have to spend your time and because do you remember? And I'm I'm taking us back a little bit, but we looked we together delivered Active Learn's platform. Do you remember? And that had quite a lot of key stage stuff on there, and I remember thinking this is such a wonderful tool, but it's not necessarily, uh, the content wasn't necessarily applicable to my functional skills because of the age. And the same when you go on to things like um, skills workshop, you know, the the site skills workshop, some of the stuff on there, you just have to really choose the um, The right material, the right material, you have to really sift through. Um, So yeah, I, I get why you're saying that. And it does make sense so in terms of it sounds like you're going to continue using Desmos. so you're going to continue using um Gil, Gil, i can't say it now Geogebra
1: or is Desmos going to push it off its platform again i go back to that you know word pedagogy what fits in what because it really depends on what i'm teaching and what tools fits in and I think that's really important. And I always address this when I deliver any, any professional development training, mm-hmm. because it's not about using the tool, but it's about how to use the tools to make learning or teaching interesting. So I'll continue using both tools that I mentioned. And there was another one that I also said about. So we've got the Desmos, we've got GeoGebra, and then Autograph is also within that oh, yes. group of applications that I use. And they all for different things. So I will continue using them. Although for any teacher starting to want to look into one thing, I would just say pick one that you think it fits in you quite well before you think about others remember i've been using these tools for the last three four five years at least so it's been a very long time that i kind of master using these tools but for teachers who just want to get into the edtech but not quite there yet it may be a little bit overwhelmed by looking at all those at the same time and you know what?
0: It's almost like you read my mind because that was going to be my next question. a top tip for educators delivering or supporting students. Um, but just before you go there, because we've touched on autograph, but I've not really delved enough. So you've mentioned that you used it for statistics. Is
1: that the only thing? Or no, thing? I do quite a lot of the graphs as well. But again, rather complicated stuff so remember I was telling you about using Desmos or using Geogebra where we use slider so I can have Mm. a slider in front of me I can move my slider to see how the graph is changing according to the number that I've changed on the slider with Autograph they don't use slider they use something called a constant controller so I can be a little bit more precise in terms of how i change the value and how it's going to affect the graph so it gives me more precise information as in changing the value and then affecting how it looks on on the graph itself there's also other things that you can do for example 3d graph again they can you can use autograph for for that the difference is with Desmos and Geogebra, you need to know a bit of syntax so for example if I want to find standard deviation you need to know what letter you type in the input bar in order to make it happen so you need to have certain knowledge about what words I need to use whereas in Autograph you don't need to do that because it's got the menu ready for you so if you click on the relevant things and then right click, it shows you a list of menus that you can deal with whatever you've chosen. So it's very different in terms of how the platform works. But then it it's another option, isn't it? Again, it's back to that question about what tools do I use for teaching particular things because of how you navigate on the yeah. website or on the application itself
0: yeah wonderful okay so after my brain is uh full of so many exciting tools to explore and i hope our listeners are feeling the same way thank you so much for coming on my podcast today leona and using your voice to amplify the approaches that you've been using to drive learning forward for your students and
1: teachers thank you thank you i am really enjoying it today thanks Now you've seen what others do,
0: why not try some EdTech too? You've been listening to EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy. All music and song was written by Alistair Rain. Our fabulous singer is our music student, Lily Hartley. Rick Longdon is on the piano and Rosie Fortune is our producer. Catch us next time on EdTech Joy with Stacey Foy.